Good morning. It's good to see all of you. And I know some are watching because they're sick this morning. And so we want to remember them this morning as we begin with a word of prayer. Would you join me? Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for the wonderful goodness that you show to us. But as we think of the goodness you show to us, we also think of you as the good God. You are good. And you are our portion. You are our inheritance. You are our hope. And so this morning as we gather together, I pray that you would meet with us. I pray that you would teach us. I pray that you would help us to understand things of your word. And Lord, today as we look at your word and as we consider how we treat and use your word in our daily lives, I pray that you would help us in that to understand and to learn and to grow. And we pray these things in your name. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see all of you. And this morning, I have a little bit of a different direction I'd like to take things away from the book of Daniel. And I'd like to, you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew, the first book of the New Testament. And we, I'd like to do something this morning that's a little bit different. Have you ever heard of something called personal devotions? I hope so, but you know you probably won't find that phrase in the Bible. But yet, you might hear people talk about it like it's a really important thing. And the fact is, is that it is. Personal devotions is a time that each of us personally, that's me, myself, spend with God. We call it devotions because it is a time that we devote to our relationship with our Creator. We call it devotions because we are devoting ourselves to our God. And it is very important for us in our lives every day to have personal devotions, to devote time to our relationship with our Creator. I kind of want to pick up for those of you who were here on Wednesday night where Brother Abnauer was talking about Psalm chapter 1 and delighting in God's Word. That's another way that we could put personal devotions. We might say the, the daily delighting in the Lord. And this is a question that many people ask and wonder, what, does it, what is it? What does it look like? And I'll, I'll be really blunt with you. There is no one way of personal devotions. There is no one way, there's not where I can sit down here and give you and say, this is how you have personal devotions. Why? Because all of us are different people, and all of us have different personalities. All of us have different ways of communicating. And so when this is about communicating with God, it's, there's lots of different ways. And it's really important for us to recognize that. And so I'd like to go through this morning and, and look at some different things. But before I do, personal devotions have three very important parts. Now, this is really easy, all right? The first part is God. The most important part of personal devotions is God. The second part 
is his word, how he speaks to us. And the third part is you or me. That is really what personal devotions are all about. God, his word, and me. So how do I get to know God? How do I have devotion to God? How do I do these things? And so in considering that, let's start with that middle part. You might say the little bit of the bridge between. Now, just don't forget another fact is that when I said God, his word, and me, God is three persons, right? Can someone tell me who those three persons of the Godhead are? We have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So in this aspect, this time of devotion is with all three of them, for they are all three God. And so the Holy Spirit plays a very important role, as does Jesus Christ in this relationship that we have between us and God. But I said it all has also the Word of God. The Word of God has to be key in all of it. Because if we just sit down and start imagining things about God, we're going to get in trouble really fast. And so we need to start our basis of who we know God to be as how He has said He is and how He has revealed Himself. And so people that take the Bible will, will let's say, just say, let's, let's begin, let's say you're at a place now where you want to have daily devotions. And so you've decided that you're going to read the New Testament. That's a great idea. And so you open your Bible up and you're going to, this is going to be exciting, you're going to spend time with God and in his word. And you've heard preachers and people say that it, God's word is life-changing, right? And so you open up your Bibles and look with me, Matthew chapter 1, and you start to read. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Perez and Zerah of Tamar. And Pharaoh's began, huh? I thought this was life-changing. Um, and Pharaoh's begat Esram, and Esram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab. That doesn't sound very life-changing to me. Does it to you? You know, there's an important scripture that we need in this moment. And it's something that sometimes as children we haven't learned yet, or as a new Christian we haven't learned yet, or as a long-time Christian we haven't learned yet. It's a verse that we teach our children in family Bible time. It is all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. This genealogy is part of all, is inspired. And it says that all Scripture is profitable. And it goes through and gives a list of things that it is profitable for. So is this profitable? Hmm. Hmm. You know, 
I started in Matthew for two reasons. One is because it's the beginning of the New Testament, right? So that's a natural place where people actually do begin. And it becomes this stumbling block right at the beginning. And the other reason I wanted to start in Matthew is because one of the number one questions I've received over the years is, what's the point of all the genealogies? Great question. And so when I seek to answer that question, I start with all Scripture, and this is part of Scripture, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. And so I start with that presupposition, and then I look at the genealogy. But I told you that sometimes people learn differently. I wonder, you don't have to worry about embarrassing me. Have any of you under, ever caught on to the fact that your pastor has trouble with pronunciations? Oh, there's a few honest out there. I have a lot of trouble with pronunciations. Um, it's, it's just bad. And when I open up even my New Testament and I begin to read this here, do you know what I get all messed up with? The pronunciation. I can't even get past the pronunciation question, let alone get anything else out of it. And I'm also a little bit of a different person in how I learn. All of us are. And it's not just in how we learn, but in all kinds of different things. I am what in school they would classify as an auditory learner. That means that I learn by hearing. So when I do Bible reading in my personal devotions, well, let me tell you how it happens sometimes. Sometimes people think of personal devotions, and they, they, they forget about God, and they forget about the Bible, and they think they, they, they remember the me, and the comfy chair, and the coffee. This isn't personal devotions. Personal devotions doesn't need the comfy chair or the coffee. It just needs God, His Word, and me. Now, it doesn't mean that there isn't a comfy chair. But, you know, some of you may shudder to see me associating devotions with a comfy chair. Why? Because some of you may be like me. And when you want to have devotions in a comfy chair, you know how it ends up? and then a stiff neck. So when that happens, how do we process that? What do we, because that becomes now frustrating to us, doesn't it? We've, we've, we, we want to have devotion to God, and our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. And by the way, none of us are unique in it. We don't even need a comfy chair. The disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane found the ground a good place to fall asleep when they were supposed to be praying. So it's not the comfy chair that's the problem. It's oftentimes that we are exhausted. And so, how do we do these things? Well, some people, and when they're doing their devotions and when they're spending time in the Bible, they, they maybe do find that the best place is the comfy chair with the coffee. Others may find it up at a desk, sitting at a desk. Others may find it standing at a desk. Others may find that place going outside and finding a little place. Others may actually find it driving. You say, how do you have devotions driving? We'll get to that. Others may find it as a place where it is walking or even running. And again, you might say, well, wait a minute, how do you do that? Here's the key. Again, it's not about the comfy chair and the coffee. It is about God, 
his word and me. How are we spending time together? And are we spending time together? So back to Matthew chapter 1. Boy, if I were going to repurpose, you know, sometimes they talk about New Year's resolutions. So maybe you might decide to make a New Year's resolution to spend time in doing better in personal devotions. And so New Year's Day, you get up and you stayed up till past midnight, and it sure does turn out like this, right? Again, that's, a, that's where it's a struggle. But then you might start in Matthew, and you get into this, and it's just like, I need, I need, I need nourishment. And it's these genealogies, and it's this pronunciation, and it's all of this struggle. Maybe you struggle reading just period reading. Well, there's some wonderful tools. Years ago, again, I said I was an auditory learner. I saved up my birthday money. See, my grandma gives, gives me, my grandma used to give me a $10 bill, and my other grandma used to give me a $15 bill, and then when the other grandma found out it was $15, there isn't a $50 bill, but, you know, the, the 10 and the 5, and then so they, they got into, they both gave me $15. And so a few years I saved this up, and I ended up buying myself this incredibly outdated CD set of the Bible. And um, although these CDs pretty much set in the closet now um, because I have digitized them, this, this is a very important part of my devotions, both because I'm an auditory learner, but I'm not just an auditory learner. I'm an auditory communicator. I, I communicate by hearing. I do best in that way. You, you might find me weird. I will read people's emails out loud to myself because I'm trying to process it. And oftentimes the Bible is that way. And sometimes people have a lot of struggle in their personal devotions because they've got this idea that it's about a book. And it is about a book. But it's not really about the book. It's about what the book says. And so it's important to recognize that maybe you might want to use a recording of a Bible. And, you know, this is CDs. And that my mom says I should save all my CDs because she's convinced all the digital is going to go bust. Um, but anyway, that's another topic. Nobody thinks that's funny. Um, I, I tell her she's crazy, but that's okay. Um, and so you know, she wants her CDs. But here, so you have these, and you have different tools. We have them all the time. So if we were to come back to Matthew here, especially if you're like me, and these names are hard, and it's hard for you to keep focused, maybe you need to take out your phone or your device or, or your CDs, and you need to play it. So I'm going to come back here so you can all hear me. We're going to play Matthew chapter 1. And Matt then begat Jacob. Oh, bear with me here. The New Testament, read by Alexander Scorby. The Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 1. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Thamar, 
And Pharaoh's begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram, and Aram begat Aminadab, and Aminadab begat Naasson, and Naasson begat Salmon. And Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king. And David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And Solomon begat Reboam, and Reboam begat Abiah, and Abiah begat Asa, and Asa begat Josaphat, and Josaphat begat Joram, and Joram begat Ozias, and Ozias begat Joatham, and Joatham begat Achaz, and Achaz begat Ezekias, and Ezekias begat Manasses, and Manasses begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias, and Josias begat Jeconias and his brethren, about the time they were carried away to Babylon. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconias begat Salathiel, and Salathiel begat Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel begat Abiad, and Abiad begat Eliakim, and Eliakim begat Azor, and Azor begat Sadok, and Sadok begat Achim, and Achim begat Eliad, and Eliad begat Eleazar, and Eleazar begat Matthan, and Matthan begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David are fourteen generations, and from David until the carrying away into Babylon are fourteen generations, and from the carrying away into Babylon unto Christ are fourteen generations. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, for some of you, you probably found your mind wandering. Does that ever happen? It happens to me. It happens a lot. In fact, I've had one person tell me recently that they, they have a hard time listening to Bible reading or anything on reading. They have to be looking at it. They have to be reading it because if they just listen, they don't get anything. It's just all, they, their mind just wanders and they're not listening. And I'm like... That's exactly opposite of me. And it's important to understand and know. And it's important for you most of all to understand and know where you are at. What helps you in spending time in the Word. And you, everybody's going to be different. And so there's lots of tools. And if it's an audio book like this and hearing it, there's lots of free versions you can get of audio recordings of the Bible some of them are computerized and unbearable, and some of them are good. But um, find what works for you and, and use it. 
And that's where it comes back to earlier. I said that pe different people are different. I, I am one of those weirdos who does walk with a book and pace. You might find me sometimes in the week. You'll, you might come and you'll think that pastor is in his study, studiously studying away. And actually, the truth of the matter is, I'm wearing holes in the carpet because I'm just pacing I, I do this weird pattern, not because there's anything magical or mystical about it, but I will read sometimes while I wander about pacing because sometimes I just can't sit still. Any of you kids have that problem? We're all kids sometimes because I can't sit still, and so sometimes I will read, and sometimes I'll put headphones on, and I'll listen as I walk. And sometimes... I can't do the, I, here it's nice and easy to carry a book and walk because everything's predictable. I kind of got it even almost memorized. But um, sometimes I like to just go to the river walk or there's this little park down here, Cumberland Lake. It ain't a wet lake, it's a swamp. But anyway, you go down there. There I can't carry a book, but there I will put in headphones or I'll put it on the speaker and I will listen. And it helps me in spending time in the word. And so again, it's, it's about God, his word, and me. It's not about the chair, the coffee. It's not about the park, the river walk, or the path, or how fancy your Bible is, or what kinds of art is in your Bible. Or it, it's, it's none of those things. It's his word, him, and me. And so it's about taking and spending time. Now, I said that it's not about how pretty or fancy the book is. So you might wonder, I use this as my Bible. Is there anything wrong with that? Oh, please, a resounding no. Is there anything wrong with using your phone as your Bible? No. But did you know there are pitfalls? There are pitfalls to using your phone as a Bible. Well, let me see here. Oh, I should have prearranged somebody here. Oh, let's see here. Do you have your phone on you? Yeah, I'm going to be here um, reading my Bible. And while I'm reading my Bible, um, can you um, just, I don't know that you're going to do this, but, but, but could you send me a text? Oh, hey, hang on. Give a second. Let's see here. Oh, here's my phone. You see my phone up there? I have my phone up there. Okay, so I'm going to use my, I've got several different Bible apps. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit and I'm going to be, I'm going to be reading my Bible here. And, um, oh, look, it's right here. And so I'm, I am doing my devotions, right? And I can even tell this app is really cool because I can tell this app to read it to me too. Oh, we won't get distracted with that. But see, oh, did I just not make an illustration? I won't get distracted by that. So I'm, I'm reading, and I may be reading aloud. We're in Luke 2, and it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus. I better take this. Hello? Yeah. Okay, and he tells me something very urgent and important. Oh, I wouldn't leave that there, and I go off. How far did I get? Or, or let's, let's go back and let's be, we're done with that call and keep on going. And, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. 
And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth and to Judea and to the city of David. Are you going to text me? Oh, you did? Oh, yeah, there we go. Oh, I'm getting several texts here. I better pull that away. I don't know what's on there. (laughs) Putting it up on the screen. You see, there's nothing wrong with the phone. Nothing. It's a wonderful, awesome tool, actually. But it can sometimes be distracting. And so you have to be aware of that. And guess what? The people who made your phone know that. I don't know how it works in the Android world, but if you take your phone and you swipe from the top down, there's this little thing called focus. And you can say, do not disturb. Before I put this up on the screen, I actually had to turn that off because on Sundays I typically put my phone in focus and it pretty much turns off and the only people that can ring through to my phone on Sundays, um, I normally actually do my phone in the office too, is the security company at my house. Um, And so here you have focus. And maybe that's a tool. You've set up a focus where the only people that can reach you are your mom or dad or wife or husband. You know, set it up because these are very, very distracting. And it's, and it's, there's other alerts. And so this is a wonderful tool, but you have to know how to have the power over it. And that's one reason why I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not the person. Can you have a Bible on your phone? Yes. Is that a good way of doing it? Yes. But just be really careful because this thing is very distracting, all right? So I hope that will show you, be a tool of how you can um, use your phone. So let's turn off this mirroring, and it doesn't go back. So let's see if we can pull up the screen here again. We read Matthew chapter 1, didn't we? Now, I put on the screen, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. So what is there here? Just, oh, we've gotten up this morning. We've tried to do our devotions. We only have 10 minutes. Now, that's another question we could talk about is prioritizing our day. But let's just start with five minutes, 10 minutes. Just start. What am I going to get out of Matthew chapter Well, I have found helpful some different questions to ask. Some questions to ask. In fact, I have these questions on a little sticker that I've glued into the back of my Bible so that I don't forget them. And I hope to help you. You could copy these down or you could be, be, um, use the easy way, and I have printed you little stickers with these questions that you can put in your Bible. You want to put this in your Bible? Here, and take these and pass them around. And if you like the idea, here, make sure to not miss them up there. Take a sticker and put it in your Bible. And what are these questions? Well, these are questions that can help you to apply, apply what you read. And they're not hard questions, but they may take some practice and learning. The first is, are there examples to follow? Are there commands to obey? Are there errors to avoid? Are there sins to forsake? Are there promises 
to claim? Are there new thoughts about God? Are there principles to live by? These are some questions that help us in applying the Bible. So think of Matthew chapter 1 now. Here's a key part of, of devotions. It is not about taking your Bible reading schedule, and I thought I had one up here, but it walked away, um, about taking a Bible reading schedule and saying, I read three chapters a day, check, 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 done, done, done. Yes, that is God, His Word, and me, but they're not connected. So you have to connect them. And the way that you connect them, one way, is by thinking thinking about it. And one way is by asking these questions. Can I ask these questions of Matthew chapter 1? Now, we don't have a lot of time, and so I'd love to interact with you on this, but let me just, by example, give you some thoughts as I read through this. In fact, did you notice that we actually have the word example listed in here? Did you see that word? Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Hmm. Tell me, is Mary a good example in this passage? Oh, but Joseph is a little concerned that she's a bad example, isn't he? And he doesn't want to shame her. Well, as we continue reading we actually find that Mary is a very upright young woman. And we, we do need to keep reading, particularly Luke, to find that out. But no, she, she is a good example. And in fact, Joseph is a good example in how he is dealing with this situation. Notice here we see Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Now, sometimes we read through things like this, and we just read that, and we go right on, okay? So, it's a description of Joseph. But when we think about it for a moment, and we're seeking to ask ourselves, how do I live this? And I read about Joseph here being a just man. And I asked myself, are there examples to follow? Now, I don't know a lot about Joseph. Now, if I meditate and think on this chapter, there's actually some amazing details about Joseph that will come to life. But just the simple description of him as being a just man. Will I be a just man today? Will I be just? Joseph is an example I can follow here listed in this passage. Thinking about the other questions here. Are there new thoughts about God? Well, there's one that really beautifully stands out. Look with me in verse 21. The angel said to Mary, she, or to Joseph, she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, this might be so basic to you, but brothers and sisters, 
the biggest pitfall in personal devotions in Bible study is to be looking for the mystical deep when the basic and obvious is right there for us to feast on. This declaration, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. This is the core of Christianity. Jesus. His name, we could look it up, but it means, right as it's described in this verse, Jehovah saves. Are there new thoughts about God? One of the questions or follow-ups to are there new thoughts about God is sometimes we're always looking for the new. And, and when I put that together, I don't even remember where I came from these questions. Years ago, I found them somewhere and I put them in my Bible. Um, so I don't know who to credit for them. Um, they're not mine. But that new has always had a special meaning to me as I've done my own personal application of Bible reading. You know why? Because I have the incredible privilege of having been taught the scriptures from a child. And so there are many things that I have known about God for as long as I can remember. And that is wonderful. And I hope it's true for many of you, but I know it's not for all. But you know what is the danger of that? Is that because it's not new, it's not important. And so, when I read that, are there new thoughts about God? I very often have to say, are there thoughts about God that should be as exciting to me as when I first heard it? Because you may get nothing out of Matthew chapter 1 if, oh yeah, of course, Jesus saved. Now, none of us, I don't think, would do that, oh, of course, and be flippant about it. But yet, do we glory in that declaration? You're looking for something to nourish you through today, brothers and sisters. You could, for, you could, you could, you could, you could come back. One of the things I want to give you in a moment is the idea of keeping track of important verses. But you, you, you could come back to this truth every single day, and it would give you what you need for that day. Because everything is all about Jesus. And so. In all of this, right there, that little truth you could come back to. It's so common to us, but sometimes we lose the, lose the significance in its commonness. And so we look for them and we live them. This is a very simple. Now, sometimes, especially when you're reading in some of the Chronicles, where it's just genealogy after genealogy after genealogy. We're going to come back to a question of genealogy here in a moment. But genealogy after genealogy is just like overwhelmed. And you're like, I'm not getting anything out of this, and I do not have time to study it to get anything out of this. That is the time in which you maybe jump to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. And what I encourage you to do is that as you are reading your Bible, and I think it's important to consider the entire Bible The idea of reading your Bible through every year is a great idea for some people, but it's not necessarily something you want to lock yourself into this rigid structure because it will frustrate you, depending on who you are. Um, Others, it's it's a huge part of them. And so 
it is important for you to be making a priority of being exposed to the whole counsel of God, the whole scriptures. But there are times in which, in that moment, you need your jump to your favorite verses. And not just your favorite verses, but those verses that you need for that day to get through that day. And so in the back of your Bible, in your journal, on your phone, wherever it may be, make a list. Some of us hear about Psalm 23, and it's just so common to us that it probably wouldn't make it on our favorites list. But it's rich. And it's a place you can go to anytime, any place, and it, it addresses all of life's issues. It's a great reference to have written there. For me, my go-to place is Ephesians chapter 3 or Colossians chapter 3. These are key verses to me. First, um, John chapter 15, Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. In those times when I feel helpless, that's my go-to passage. And so you may write them in the back of your Bible, you may write them in your journal, you may write them on index cards, you may write them on your phone, but it is a good thing for you to keep track of those things so that even when you are struggling through a passage of what is either dryness to you in that moment, you can go back to and find that nourishment you need, that nugget for today. It's really, really important to do that. And so here is one of those. But let me go on now, because when you look at these questions and you think about them in this different chapter, we see new thoughts about God, or really just profound thoughts about God, that I want to treat as if they're exciting and new, and I see an example to follow. And we could keep on going through this chapter. But there's another new thought about God that maybe takes a little bit more thinking. You know, the Bible is compared to food, sincere milk, bread, meat. All Christians are said to desire the sincere milk of the Word, but did you know also in Hebrews that Christians are rebuked for being babes and only drinking milk and not desiring or having meat. We need to desire the sincere milk of the word, and we also need meat. Well, I don't think you're surprised to know that genealogies are maybe meat. Did I say maybe? Well, yeah, they're meat. But these genealogies are fascinating. There is a truth in this genealogy, and it's this. Look at verse 22. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord, of the Lord, by the prophet. And then it goes on and it gives an actual prophecy that is being fulfilled of a virgin conceiving, bringing forth a son who is Emmanuel. Fulfilled. Do you know what's glorious about this genealogy when I read it? is all of the names have stories. Some of them we don't know anything about. And by the way, we don't make up stories for people we don't know anything about. That's called um, old wives' fables in one part, and then it's um, endless genealogies. Endless genealogies is not talking about the genealogies here. It's talking about a collection of fiction that the Jews had created of made-up stories to make sense or interest in the genealogies. And it was just a vast collection of fiction. But some of this has actual history tied to it. And when I look through these and I see, what can I learn from this? How can I apply this? Well, 
I know that there are promises. In fact, even here, the Jesus shall save his people from their sins is a promise. And how do I know that promise is real and how he'll help me save me from my sins here today and also save me in the sense of my sins from eternity is that he is a God who keeps his promises. He's faithful. He is true. He keeps his promises. And when I read these genealogies, these genealogies are all about that. I think, I read here, the book of the generation of Jesus of Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Oh, it's interesting that those two names are cited at the beginning. Abraham. Now, if your Bible has, is a study Bible or has cross-references, I, that, cro- study Bibles, the best thing I like about my study Bible is cross-references. And when I see Abraham's name listed there, I see Genesis 12, 1 to 4, Genesis 13, 15 to 18, 15 gives a list of references. And I turn back to Genesis 12. God said to Abraham, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, that's not in Matthew chapter 1, but it is. The point of the genealogies being listed in Matthew chapter 1 is to say, the promises made to Abraham are being fulfilled. The promises made to Jacob, to Israel, are being fulfilled. We read about Judah, and then there was a prophecy made to Judah. And it shall come to pass in the increase. Oh, that was the wrong place. Let me turn the page. It says of Judah that the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. That's Jesus Christ. That's a fulfillment in, the new, in Matthew chapter 1. I know this is a meat level, but the, do you see how it flows? We, looked at, we could look at Daniel's or David's name, and it referred, my cross-reference refers me back to 2 Samuel chapter 7. And there a promise is made to, said, to David that says, In thine house, your family, and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. And now I'm reading in Matthew chapter 1, and it's coming to pass. I read through, and I come, and as I'm reading here, I come to chapter 1 of Matthew and verse 9, and I, I read about this guy named Ahaz. Well, that's the Greek transliterated version of Ahaz. And you know, if I were to look at the cross-reference on his name, it tells me about his history. But if I actually turn the page and I read about what this prophet said shall be fulfilled that was spoken by the prophet, I look at my cross-reference and I see Isaiah 7.14. And if I turn my Bible over to Isaiah 7.14, I find that Isaiah is speaking to King Ahaz, and it's he then who makes this promise of the virgin. And so this genealogy, and oh, we haven't even discussed all of the incredible, intriguing factors of it, like the women that are named in this genealogy, their background, who they were. You know what? People sometimes struggle with their family backgrounds and who they came from and all of that. Huh. You know some of the people in Jesus' life? I, David? If you ever actually know about David, it's kind of hard. David had some issues. I mean, it actually says that David had Solomon of the wife of Uriah. That's the woman he committed adultery with, or worse, raped, and then murdered her husband so he could have her. Ah! 
That's in the genealogy. There's richness to that in grace. We see Rahab in this. Did you see her? She was a harlot in Jericho. But yes, she trusted in God, was saved, and ended up marrying a Jewish man and became an ancestor to David and then to Jesus Christ. We see Ruth, the Moabitess. Ruth, raised in Moab, a pagan society, yet one who understood and knew God and trusted in him. See, these genealogies, yes, they're, they're just names, but they're exciting. And if you spend some time studying them, it actually gets really intriguing. My study Bible has helped to do some of this for me because you know it talks about and so-and-so begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so who begat so-and-so. But it's interesting to note, as my study Bible has pointed out to me, that when it comes to, to verse 16, you see it says, And Jacob begat Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who was called Christ. It doesn't say that Joseph begat Jesus. It says that Mary begat, or of, of Mary, this whom. The whom is, is, my study Bible tells me, is in the feminine. And if I wanted to study it in the Greek, I could. You don't have to. I'm not telling you you have to study Greek. But this is where a study Bible can help you to see, oh, now it's of Jesus. Something different. Here's the virgin birth. So these genealogies can have richness. But I want to encourage you that even just in this chapter, there is the meat and there is the basic milk. And as we're looking, we need to be having really what it is, a delight. We cannot be approaching devotions as a chore, but as a delight. The priority is in the Word of God, and after, as we, we start with the Word of God, with His Spirit, and then as we're going through things from time to time, as time allows, you may find yourself going into what we call study. There's reading the scriptures, there's meditating, thinking upon the scriptures, and there's studying the scriptures. All of this is with the goal of living the scriptures. So you're reading to live it, you're meditating to live it, and you're studying to live it. It's all with that purpose. And in that case, there are some tools to help. People sometimes come to my home and they see thousands of books, and they'd be like, oh my, I could never study the Bible like pastor take all my books away. Most of my books stay on the shelf and collect dust. I don't need most of my books. And if you had to take my books all away and say you only get three, you know what they would be? My concordance. Because really, do you know what this is? This is just a Bible rearranged. I would use keep my concordance. I gotta have my maps. And then just a basic Bible dictionary. Now, this isn't my favorite, but this is the only one I had here in book form. These are the, some basic tools to help you. Concordance gives you every word that's in the Bible and where to find it. Map shows you almost all of the places in the Bible and where they are, so you can see how they're related to each other. And a Bible dictionary is not like the Merriam-Webster dictionary. It is a dictionary in the sense that it, you look up a word and it gives you a little article about that. Now, I'm going to give you a little hint. You know what sometimes the struggle with the study Bible is and with these kinds of things is they distract us from the Bible. Remember, personal devotions is not God, my Bible, me, and my chair, or God, my Bible, me, and my Bible dictionary. 
or my study Bible. It's about his word. And a study Bible and a dictionary can be a problem. In fact, I just used this to look up something just this morning, last minute, wanted to check something. And you know what? I got so distracted by the illustrations. And you know what? I was like, there is a, in this book, there's a, I was looking up Ahaz real quick to see how this study, this, this dictionary described it. And there's a really cool graphic in here that shows the elevations in Israel. And I, I, I'm like, I can't read that right now. I'm focused. I got to focus on this. And that's one of the things you have to be careful of in these kinds of tools. But at the same time, it's those things that can also help you. And so these are resources, but don't let these resources get in the way of the scriptures. I also do recommend study Bibles. I think they're good. Again, you have to be careful with them. And I have three study Bibles here that I recommend, and that's the Ryrie Study Bible, the Schofield Study Bible, and then the King James Study Bible. And I will set these in the back there if you'd like to take a look at those and look at them. A note on the King James Study Bible, there's two editions nowadays. Well, actually, there's, there's a first edition and a second edition, but now there is the full-color edition. Somebody gave me this. No offense, I can't use it. You know why? Because every time I use it, I get so enthralled by all of the pictures, I just find myself flipping through looking at all of the pictures instead of reading my Bible. Maybe if I used it more, I would get over it. But that may help people sometimes, but you have to just be aware of all of these different things. There's so much more I want to share, but we're out of time. Let me again come back to the basics. Devotion. What is that? It is a devotion to your God. That means he is a priority. And in your personal devotions, you need to make it a priority. Your God, his word, and you. And whether you're using all these different things, or whether you're walking at the river walk, or in your comfy chair, with coffee or tea or water, or nothing, those aren't the issues. Your God, his word, and you. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for you. Thank you for creating us. You have created us all as different people who function and work in different and unique ways for lots of different reasons. But in all of that, we know that you are the one who perfectly, perfectly connects with each one of us. And when the connection is broken, we know it's not you, but it's us. And so may we humble ourselves and seek and know you. Glorify yourself in our lives. Teach us your word. Teach us the scriptures. We pray these things in your name. Amen.